Do you know what Beyonce and I have in common? It's our birthday today. And I decided what a better way to celebrate my birthday than get together with my birthday bestie. Now, Beyonce, she's not on the show today. However, I've got two other math teacher and teachers and coaches on the show today that share my birthday. Juliana is a high school math teacher and coach who supports students that struggle. You can find her at Collaborated with Juliana. And Kristen Moore at More Than Just X is also a high school teacher, and she is about all things project-based learning. I can't wait for you to hear our conversation today all about what does it mean to be good at math and how can we foster that in our classroom? We've got all the birthday girlies here, math teachers that all almost share the same birthday. So Juliana and myself, Mona on the 4th of September and Kristen on the 5th, we're all here and we decided let's do this thing, a little birthday celebration. Today we're talking about our fave math, but specifically, like, what does it mean to be good at math? I feel like this is a conversation we're always having. Ooh, what what does it mean to be good at math or be a good math teacher? So we're going to have that conversation with you, friends. What do you think? Let's do it. I'm in. Let's get this party started. Okay. So I am Mona of Mona Math, and I have been a teacher in Chicago for the last 15 years. And just yesterday, I made the switch to being an independent math coach. So I'm supporting schools in, you know, empowering their mathematicians and helping teachers just kind of make it happen. And so I'm really excited to be partnering with schools here in Chicago and across the U.S. So that's fun and new for me. What about you, Miss Juliana, birthday buddy? Yeah, happy birthday. Um, (laughs) I'm Juliana Tapper from Collaborate Ed, and I have always taught high school math intervention and algebra one. I just love the kids who struggle with math. And I've got to teach at three different high schools, had lots of different experiences. And yeah, I felt like the PD that my administration was asking me to attend was never really speaking to me as a math teacher of students who struggle. So I decided in 2018 to start providing that PD. And so it's been so wonderful to be supporting teachers and schools and districts across the U.S. since then. And I'm very excited for our birthday podcast. How about you, Kristen? Hey, everybody. I am Kristen from More Than Just X, and I am entering year 13 in the classroom. I have been a high school mathematics teacher for over a decade, and I am so excited because I've been able to use project-based learning in my classroom to bring mathematics to life. High school is a really tricky time for a lot of our students, so I've been excited that I've been at schools that have empowered me to do that, and I've been able to go out and coach and train other math teachers and high school educators to use project-based learning in their classroom as well. So I'm super excited to be here with you guys. Uh, A lot of times people don't think math and PBL go together, but I'm here to say that they do and love that I get to chat with you all today. We really have like elementary through 12th grade covered here. Okay, so let's get to it. What does it mean to be good at math? Like what really matters most for teaching and learning mathematics? 
That's the essential question, Kristen, for the podcast episode. <laughs> Excellent. You know, essential questions are at the heart of like all the things I do, all my projects are designed around that. So for me, when I think about being good at mathematics, I think about my students being able to apply their past learning to new experiences and use that mathematics to be able to model and problem solve. In math in high school, every time my students are like, when am I going to need this? And that's a valid question. Like rational functions is not something you're going to be using all of the time. So for me, a student who's good at math is one who can take the skills that they've been building in that K through eight time, take that and apply it to a new and novel situation, whether it's something cool and project-based or whether we are just learning some new procedure and they're able to apply that knowledge. That to me is being good at math. What about you, Juliana? What do you think? Yeah, I love that. I think for me, I always have that perspective of kids who have failed math, you know, like every year since probably fifth grade. And here they are in my ninth grade, you know, math intervention class. And I think for for my students to be good at math, it really means persevering. It means like just being willing to stick with it because it's easier to ditch class. It's easier to just sit in the back of the room and give up. And so to be good at math, especially if you're a student who has struggled with math in the past, I think it means to persevere, that you're willing to put all that baggage and all that trauma aside um, and, and the thoughts that you may have of, oh, I'm not a math person or I'm not good at math. And you're willing to put that aside to to try and to persevere. Um, and so I think I think for me and and when I think about my students, that's what I think about to be good at math. Mona, how about you? I love both of these things already. Yes, yes. Um, for me, the first thing that comes to mind is that kids are willing to like describe their thinking, right? Because often we think of math as like getting the answer and doing the calculations and even modeling, I think is something that's like, can you show your work? But really what matters is being able to describe your thinking. And so I was going to say problem solving, but I think that describing your thinking is problem solving, right? Like that's one of those essential pieces to problem solving. And so really like my story is that I'm a math avoider. Like I am not the kid who liked math and or the college student or the teacher who liked math until I was learning this new way of teaching math, which was like how I was teaching everything else, which was through discussions. And, you know, I, I lived for like a good lit circle or a good book discussion, but that was never the situation in math. Math was just like, open the book, do the problem, move on. And then it was like, oh no, but math discussions are actually it. And so when I started incorporating that, I just saw like every child be able to like advance in both their math identity and like seeing themselves as mathematicians but also in their proficiency of being able to actually do more complex math because of describing their thinking. And it's really like that rehearsal. Like if you can describe what you're thinking in words, then when you go back to your paper, you can do it because you've like rehearsed what you're going to do. Yeah. I love that. And I think that that's 
you know, if I think about how, how do you describe your thinking? Um, Mona, last year on our birthday, we had our Which One Doesn't Belong podcast episode on your podcast. And, you know, that activities like that, those engagement structures, um, you know, Which One Doesn't Belong, Same and Different, um, would you rather all of those types of thing, notice and wonder, those are ways that you get students to describe your thinking. And as I think about intervention students and students who are struggling, those are all the best ways to get them to start understanding that they can persevere and to start to get them to have that light bulb moment of, oh, maybe I am good at math. Um, because when you're describing your thinking, you can't really have a totally wrong answer. You know, yeah, your your mathematical thinking, maybe you made an error in your mathematical thinking, but when you're just sharing your own opinion of why something is right or wrong, um, you know, there, there really is honestly no wrong answer to that. And it's a very safe way for students, no matter their math pass, to start participating and persevering in your class. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it really, I think a buzzword right now is thinking classrooms, right? Right. Building thinking classrooms is something the three of us are always talking about, but always, (laughs) but if you're going to have thinking in your math classroom and describing thinking, I think what you're saying, Juliana is like shifting that focus from like the procedure and just mimicking what I'm doing and me walking you through the procedure, but really saying, How did you get there? Where is your understanding at? And that's thinking, right? Like it, it sends that message to our students that like, this is what we value here when we provide that space and time for students to describe their thinking. Absolutely. And I love that when students are describing their thinking and they're having that conversation with students in their classroom, like with their classmates, then they're all able to build on their collective knowledge and they can help push each other to that next level. It's really that like low floor, high ceiling, but then what's all that scaffolding that they already have from their own knowledge that they can construct and share with one another and use that to to gather, form a new knowledge. It's a really powerful way um, for our students to see themselves and to see the value that they're bringing to the table in our classrooms. Yeah. And something I wanted to add on to what Kristen was saying about it and um, is just that the opportunity for academic language and like building vocabulary is so huge, specifically with which one doesn't belong, which is why I love it so much. And like, you know, Kristen was talking about having students, the importance of listening to each other's reasoning and and listening to their classmates. And one student might look at a which one doesn't belong of linear functions and say, oh, that one's going uphill. And then another student might say that one has a positive slope. And then being able to draw the connections between those two students that, hey, okay, you guys are saying the same thing. Like how powerful for that kid that didn't have the academic language. I bet he's going to remember positive slope a lot better than if we were just sitting in a lesson together. And I was like, this is a positive slope because it's going up from left to right. You know, he's going to make that connection a lot better because it came from a discussion with his classmate. And if anything's real world, that's real world. Dang. That's what Kristen said at the beginning too, right? Like, when am I going to use this? Well, friend, you're, you might not use this math content every day, but you're going to use all these skills of interacting with human beings in your daily life. And 
everywhere. Right. And problem solving everywhere, you know, making your own argument and like critiquing other people's reasonings. And you get a lot of that when you're having those conversations with the students. You're like, well, why do you think that? Or what what do you mean that that's what it is? So you're getting all those critical thinking skills, which we know are so valuable in the world beyond education. So I just love that it's another opportunity for that. I use Juliana's Which One Doesn't Belong in my strategic class last year. And that was so great at getting my students to see that they all did come with a lot of skills already. And, you know, they're in that class and they kind of have this stigma about it, but then they were able to see and discuss and build together more knowledge. And that took them to like the next level and gave them a lot more confidence in their capabilities, which is just huge. And I think that's what we all want in our classrooms is for our students to grow in both confidence and capabilities. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So, okay. I think we've got a pretty good idea of what we each think it means to be good at math. And we've agreed upon that. So let's talk about now, like, how can we help students be good at math? What are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I can jump in. I think, um, helping students to be good at math, especially if they're, you know, maybe not the most confident math student, um, when they start the year with you is those engagement structures that we've been talking about, same and different, which one doesn't belong, um, notice and wonder are great ways to in- incorporate those into your classrooms to get students to feel like they are good at math. Um, but I also think it's about making the grade level content accessible to our kids. Um, you know, and what does that mean to your kids? Do they need a little more structure? Do they need um, a little more open-ended, um, you know, way to think about math? I I have personally found, and I know this is where we all slightly di- uh, differ in some of our views, but I'll just be authentic to myself here for a minute. And, um, you know, when I get ninth graders that have failed math for so many years, it's really hard to get them to just be okay with an an open-ended task. Um, That it feels very overwhelming for them most of the time is what I have found. And so I have found that it helps to be a little more structured with students who have struggled for many years. Um, And so just you know, making sure that you're aware of your audience. You may really love open-ended tasks, but if that's not working to make the content, the grade level content accessible for your kids, maybe we need to rethink that and vice versa. Maybe you teach really structured, I do, we do, you do, and maybe that's not working for your kids and you and you need to have a more open-ended approach to thinking about math. So it can be both sides. Um, and I think just making sure that we are, speaking math, um, you know, in the language that our kids can understand it the most is going to help them to to build that confidence and build that ability to persevere. So I think that's a, a key to it. Yeah. So <laughs> I do like kind of those open-ended tasks in my classroom. Um, and so like, I've always taught with like problem-based learning, which is kind of like project-based learning's little buddy. It's a, a shorter way to get our students kind of into that grappling that I know Mona loves, uh, problem solving and reasoning through. Um, and so I think with that, something that we can do as teachers to make that more accessible, like Juliana is saying here, is we can use chat GPT to actually help us like scaffold these tasks. So you might have these really great tasks that you're using, whether you got them from, you know, Mathematic or you are getting them and they're like, if they are a thinking task, if you're doing a building thinking classroom, 
And you can use ChatGPT and other AI structures to kind of put in like what that standard is, what your task's about, and ask it to help you structure it so that you have those there already. Then when you're giving those open-ended tasks, you have a whole set of questions scaffolded and ready to go to help support your students when they need it. So everyone can do that same open-ended task and you can provide those like just-in-time interventions that Juliana is like amazing at um, with the help of of that new technology, which I just think is so awesome. Chat GPT for the win. Making life easier is the goal with that. Not weirder, hopefully. Um, (laughs) How do we teach kids to describe their thinking? In my opinion, it's all about routine. It's all about, especially in elementary school, is like we have to have that like consistent practice over and over again. And I'm not talking about like pages and pages of worksheets. I'm talking about a routine where kids can grapple, where they can get that structured support, where they can discuss their thinking, where they practice their fluency, but it's a routine um, so that they get that every day because there's safety in that. There's like, I'm willing to persevere because I know exactly what to expect. I know I come in and I do my math warm up, and then we do word problem workshop, which is my like research-based way of teaching word problems, but I teach everything through word problems. So that was the other thing I was thinking about was like, don't wait on the word problems. So many teachers are teaching procedures and strategies first, and then we wait and we do the word problems. If you look at like any textbook, I don't know about high school, but if you look at any like first through eighth grade textbook, it's in all it's, of them. Yeah. It's like, naked numbers first. Am I right? And then word problems later. I'm like, flip it and do the word problems and teach through the word problems. Um, So that's kind of how I think we should do it. Then I've got something else, which is always on my mind, because I feel like I'm always in two camps. I'm always like rigorous math instruction, but also teaching those math adjacent character and SEL skills of like, who are you as a math person, right? Like, like you already mentioned one, Juliana, of perseverance, but also like risk, risk taking and then facing failure and like what, like all of those different things that students need to learn in order to like fully be able to engage in math. Yeah, I totally agree. So I like that you were just talking about routines because to me, routines are what allow risk-taking to happen. So especially at like the high school level, I've got students coming to me in algebra two with extreme math anxiety. They may have been like struggle busing it all the way through middle school, got pushed through. They barely made it through algebra one. So they're coming into my classroom already anxious and unsure, uncertain of their skills. They don't feel like they're a good fit. And so by providing them with routines and structures for how my class is going to work, they've got that safety net that they can let their guard down a little bit and say, okay, like I've got this. And then they go back into that discussion and they build on that knowledge with one another, right? They're using that uh, past learning to these new situations. And really it's just all about um, having them comfortable and having that like safe community of learners in there for them to be able to take those risks. I could not agree more. I feel like, you know, I kind of thought when I became a high school math teacher, oh, you know, I don't really have to worry about classroom management. <laughs> and oh my, <laughs> oh my, was I wrong? <laughs> oh, girl, and a so lot of me. times, 
you know, we just assume, oh, my kids are ninth graders, 10th graders, 11th graders. They know how to work in groups and nothing could be further from the truth. And if you find <laughs> yourself struggling with group work, it's not you, you know, like right. it is the situation we have to intentionally teach our students how we want them to support each other in groups, how we want them to work together in groups, because it doesn't matter how old they are. They don't know how to work in groups well together, especially how to work well in math groups together. Um, And so I think you're so spot on with that, Kristen. And just think about like when you're in situations, do you want to share your opinions openly when when you've heard other people, you know, in that group um, laughing at someone else that shares an opinion when you've heard someone um, putting someone down for maybe sharing something that was incorrect? Um, you know, you don't you don't feel comfortable even as an adult to to share your authentic self in that sort of setting. And it's the same for our kids. If we uh, haven't been intentional about creating a classroom where we don't laugh when someone makes a mistake, um, you know, then and laughing happens, then our kids are going to shut down and not want to describe their thinking, not want to, um, you know, do all of these things that we've been talking about on this podcast today, 100%. because they they don't feel safe. And they, you know, no one wants to get laughed at or made fun of. Um, and especially with math, and especially if you have math anxiety, and especially if you failed math for a lot of years. Yep. And the routine allows students to see it, right? Like the kids that come in that have math anxiety as early as first grade, that they're like able to just watch it all happen for a few days before they jump in and say, okay, I think I am going to try because the teacher lets kids talk in here and like she doesn't shut them down and say, no, you're wrong. Let me show you how to do it. What's my teacher going to do when somebody laughs? What's my teacher going to do when, you know, someone's wrong? And then they can go, oh, yeah, I can probably try that. Right. And so then once you've established that, you can do our favorite of like cold calling and saying, hey, we all participate here, kids. This is where we all learn math, not just the six ones with their hands up. So then you can Mm -hmm. do all of those things. But First, you have to make sure that like they know that this is a safe place. Yeah. And there's lots of ways to do that. But the routines, that's it. Let's wrap this up. What's one thing you wish more math teachers did? Okay. I wish more math teachers would stop talking and let kids talk more. That's mine. Turn in talks, whole group discussions. And within that, really teaching kids how to collaborate, how to build math understanding through discussion. I, I wish that more math classrooms uh, built in time for that intentional community building that we've, you know, also kind of been referencing, like, we have so much material to get through, especially when you're at the middle school. I mean, everyone has a lot of material to get Mm -hmm. through. It feels very uh, essential in high school because it's like, well, you can't graduate. Like we finally reached the end of the line here. You cannot get socially promoted anymore. Um, And so I know that pressure that we feel as high school math teachers, especially to get through the entire book. Um, And so I understand why it's so tempting to not build that community throughout the whole year. But just, you know, I wish I wish there was more pausing at the start of each unit to just do something a little more community focused as opposed to just always trying to get through the content. 
Yes. That's like, it's, it's like jumping into a pool without any bathing suit on, right? Like it's like, you didn't prepare to swim. You're like, it's like, maybe that's like the wrong metaphor. I don't know, but this is me guys. I'm listening. I liked it. Uh, (laughs) Summer vibes. Summer vibes. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But for real, like you can't just jump into the lesson, especially for me as the kid who was sitting in that math class going, I don't want to do math today. If a teacher would have paused and done one thing that was like going to help me build some buy-in or realize like I have the skills of a mathematician within me, like I could have been more successful in class. So yes, put your bathing suit on, get your pool noodle before you jump in. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that so much. No, I I think it's so great that there that we take that time to build that community intentionally and to build in those SEL skills. And I think that that leads into what I was thinking is that I want more teachers to embrace like authentic learning experiences in math. When you go out into the real world, which is all my kids are ever worried about is when they're going to use this. The math is messy. It's muddy. It's different. It is not clean numbers. It's not naked numbers from the textbook. I want more teachers to feel empowered to use authentic learning experiences in their math class and and just show the students that it's okay, that you don't get a perfect answer, that things don't work out the right way every time. That's part of that whole modeling process and that that's part of it. You don't have to be amazing with all of your math facts in order to be a good math student. I love that because to to, to think it through. Yeah. I got to jump in one more time. Okay. Surprise for, for both of you. So um, as Kristen was talking about using chat GPT to help us scaffold our tasks. um, I don't know if you heard me typing. Sorry if you did on the recording, (laughs) but I went, I went to chat GPT and I asked it to write.